Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listening, hear me. I may not pass this way again. Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, a podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode features a conversation with Matt Lipsy, a TV director who has worked on such fantastic comedy shows as Ted Lasso, Inside Number 9, Intelligence, Saxondale, Little Britain, Psychoville and Upstart Crow. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast as doing that helps more people to discover it. It's also wonderful when people share the podcast far and wide. You can find out more information about me and the projects I'm working on at robertlanemusic.co.uk where you can also sign up to my mailing list to receive news and my thoughts about creativity and the stuff I'm working on. Thank you. Here's my conversation with Matt Lipsy. Hi Matt, how are you? Very well, very well. Nice to uh, meet you. Yeah, great. Thank you for taking the time to chat to me. What am I interrupting? What uh, projects should you be working on at the moment or you're in a kind of a a quieter moment at, uh, at the moment anyway? Work-wise, it's definitely a quieter moment. Um, there's been all sorts of different reasons for that. Um, you know, in, in a broader, very broader, more global sense, there's a uh, writer's strike in America, which is yeah. affecting business. Not quite so much over here, as you can imagine. Um, that's coupled with the, the the kind of boom that period, which was partly due to the streamers, um, there being more and more different, you know, streaming outlets and and uh, therefore more content required, um, they've all really decided to to kind of tighten their belts, it's ease back. Um, some some have uh, taken the uh, opportunity to do some culling as well, which is kind of slightly scary for people who work there. Um, and then what was effectively the logjam of uh, of COVID. When yeah. that opened up, there was a massive amount of production, and and that's kind of come uh, come clear. Uh, so the net result is it's very very quiet out there business wise. Um, so I mean I've, I've taken the opportunity to do a bit of writing, um, which I've been wanting to do for years, and I've I've dabbled in, but never had a lot of time to do. Needless to say, I've I've learned the writers. Um, the way of the writer already and spend most of my time thinking about writing and not actually writing. So <laughs> I, I, I come to understand their plight more and more now that I'm try, actually trying to do it myself. <laughs> so is this quiet time then I take from that after COVID, so that in between COVID and now, was it, was it a really busy season then? Because you say there was productions in the log jam and people were getting back to stuff that maybe had been on pause. Yeah. Since we, since we got back into production, um, you know, in the in the summer of whatever that was, that that you know, the, after the first lockdown, mm. um, and under under very strict protocols, we started production, um, but it was a slow a slow build up, and then by by that following summer, we were back to production f- proper, and then in the two years since, um, yeah, it was very very busy, mm-hmm. and, and you know, very productive too. Uh, I mean, from my point of view. It, I suppose, it paved the way for getting involved in Ted Lasso, which was, um, you know, in in ways that I didn't even really understand at the time was was a you know a very big, um, a big deal and a big break, which is odd to say, you know, when you when you reach this point in my career, um, in in one's career, I should say, um, you don't expect there's breaks coming in that way, but there you go. That's interesting in itself then. So for someone who, who um, is still looking for breaks in a career, do you know when they're there when they happen or does it take a little bit of... So does one present itself as, hello, I'm a big break, or is it sort of looking back on it afterwards? Does it vary? No, well, the, 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 the process with uh, Ted Lasso was uh, I was working with Nick Mohammed hmm. on intelligence for Sky when he got the gig to do lasso so he was telling me about it he was telling us about it you know people involved in the show um and yeah we were excited for him but quietly i was going 
this show sounds terrible. It doesn't stand a chance. You know, what? just really couldn't see it at all for, for lots of reasons, um, some of which mm-hmm. kind of felt historic. You know, that, that, I mean, doing sport particularly mm. difficult. Comedy even more so. Um, football, ouch. You know, just so many reasons why this shouldn't, shouldn't be. But then cut to, uh, you know, a year later and, and they're coming to the second season of it um, and the show's a smash hit. So uh, I, get, I get a call saying, would I like to come and do a block? Um, and I'll be honest with you, up to that point, I hadn't looked at it. I hadn't watched it. Um, so I thought I better watch this quickly. So I did. And like so many people, after a couple of episodes, was, was completely sold um, and signed up straight away. So I'm doing season two and then I get involved and I can see, you know, what, what even more what the fuss is about. A great, a great um, show with brilliant writers and, and a great cast. And there's a showrunner. Uh, well, it's, it's a tricky. Jason Sudeikis effectively is the showrunner. Mm-hmm. But there's a sort of notional showrunner um, position, director, producer. Um, and that was being uh, helmed by Declan Lowney, another a brilliant comedy director, uh, and so he was doing the job that I went on to do in the third season. So I got to see what he was doing. And, and so in terms of kind of, you know, what, what, when you say, well, you might kind of make your own, um, your own luck. Uh, this was me sort of seeing that there was a position there. Mm-hmm. I knew from him that he wasn't going to be probably doing the next, um, the next season, or we didn't think he was going to be able to. Uh, <clears throat> and with that possibility, I I took it upon myself to kind of, you know, without being Machiavellian about it, just to inveigle myself, just make myself as useful as possible um, in any in any way, in the hope that when the job came up, that, that they might sort of it higher internally. And, and that's kind of what happened. So... Uh, it was it was a long road to becoming, you know, producer director on the show. But uh, but it, it, it you know I can chart its course quite clearly how it played out. So it didn't come as a you know a revelation. It wasn't one of those. It was more a kind of okay. Well, that worked out like I hoped it would. Yeah. Um, and and so you know, where that leads to from here is a that, that probably you know for for later in the conversation, but. That was certainly was um, was a, a, a kind of a an interesting process of, of stepping up, mm-hmm. um, whilst sort of feeling slightly slightly more in control than I might have otherwise been mm. as to how it ha- how it happened. That's really interesting. And then is has that been the way it's worked with previous things in your career, or does it vary? So like everything I get is kind of like I have to pitch for it basically <laughs> and it's that thing of when you're pitching in a interesting useful way or when you're just being a pain in the ass really and kind of deciding where the where you know where the balance falls with that and I'm interested in in your position when you're directing things to the BBC and Sky and Apple and all the rest of it are they are they people coming to you or are you you pitching for things how does it kind of work and then in previous gigs that you've had in the past How's it worked, basically, in the simplest question? Is it always the same process, and does it vary project by project? Yeah, no, no, it's a good question, it, and it does vary, um, but it also uh, gets easier depending on the success you have. Sure. You know, there's definitely an ex- exponential kind of curve. Success begets, you know, uh, notoriety, fra- fame, uh, and that then brings in more work. Um, so, you know, I've often said... Uh, if anyone kind of asks, but I suppose probably more to my kids than anything, mm. you know, that uh, to me, the measure of success is choice, freedom of choice. Um, and I think that's that you could say that to for, for, for you know, in life generally, there are so, so many people out there who just simply don't have choice. They've got no choices in their life. They they have to they go from hand to mouth. Yeah. Um, and 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 they're they're always working off the back foot. It's always reactive and never proactive. Um, so this is a great privilege, and it's a, and it is a, a brilliant place to get to. So that if I look at where I'm at now, there have been a few a few times when uh, uh, you know in the last uh, 
few years when when I've maybe actually no, there's, I'd say there's twice in my career when I've gone for a job simply because it was the only job that was there. Mm-hmm. However, in both cases, I still liked the scripts. I still thought there was something in there for it. it was, so I wasn't having to accept something that was you know I just thought was there's no hope on it of it. Um, it just weren't they weren't the scripts I would have chosen naturally, but on the whole. Um, you know, I've uh, I've in the last sort of, I guess, ten years have had that freedom of choice. Prior to that, um, yeah, it was really doing doing the rounds. You know, going for the interviews and and you know, I I still have to interview. You know, I I know that when somebody comes to me, usually that they'll be talking to other directors, and I I, I may not be even top of the list. Um, and you you know you ha- ha- completely accept that. Um, but, but yeah, but back in the day, it was, it was doing those, you know, awkward meetings and, yeah. and, uh, trying to, trying to gauge whether, whether you were simpatico, I guess that was the thing, you know, and, and, and when you don't have the choice, mm. then you kind of, it's, I've, I've, been, I've tried to think about this before. If there was ever a job that I turned down after having gone for the interview, I think a couple of times, I would say, but only a couple of times, you know, just when I kind of recognised that we we weren't simpatico, you know. But equally, I think there's a, a fair few times when I didn't get the job for the same reason. Um, mm. and, and and that can be a whole number of reasons, that, mm-hmm. that thing, because it depends what they're looking for as well. And the they, okay, the they is usually um, usually the, the uh, production company. And and normally you'll be you'll be speaking with a producer because a producer's brought on board before the director in almost all cases. Um, so there'll be a kind of producer writing partnership that's going on with execs involved from the production company. Um, and so those would be the people you're meeting with. And if they have a very strong idea of what it is that they want, you know, particularly you find with um, uh, writer performers. Mm. Um, that if they have a very strong idea of what they want, um, then or even writer producers, that that they're not looking for a director who has an equally strong view. They're looking for a director who will bend more to their uh, way of seeing things or more to their will. Um, and I've never been that kind of director, so they'll know that they'll they'll because I'll come into the meeting and I'll make it absolutely clear. That's and that's not a ploy. It's become more overtly. I, I make sure of, mm-hmm. that I'm I'm clear of that. And sometimes I even say that I'm just not that kind of director because I don't want to get into a situation mm-hmm. where I'm I'm you know being surrounded by people trying to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be a collaboration. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 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 not ever going to pretend I'm an auteur. Television doesn't allow for that. Really, it, it just doesn't really work that way. Um, so it's a collaboration. But uh, I've heard of many, many situations where that collaboration has not happened. It just hasn't, hasn't, uh, um, hasn't formulated itself, and, and it's because they didn't want it to, you know. And, and I feel so sorry for the director who gets caught in that, in that situation. However, you know, uh, again, some situations that I've heard of where directors who has been in that. Um, you know, slightly marginalised position, but the show's been a hit, and it's been a platform for them. Yeah, so, this is it, isn't it? And sometimes, I guess, the more uncomfortable situations of making something actually can end up being potentially a good final product, and vice versa. You do hear that thing in a creative process where people have a lovely time working together, but there isn't a, an edge or a bite to it. So, what you end up with might not be that interesting, I suppose. What's the what's the perfect collaboration then? Or the, and could you give us an example of something you've worked on where everyone's fulfilling their role correctly, but the collaborations there, everyone's open to ideas, or, or does it need a little bit of that tension as well? No. I don't believe it does. Um, I really don't believe it does. Uh, I I think you can have the the perfect harmonious collaboration and still create brilliant television. And I would say anything and everything that I've ever done with um, uh, Reese and and Steve, um, you know, from Reese Smith, Steve Pemberton, I should make that clear. Um, 
has has been the most uh, the most fulfilling collaboration that you could ever ask for, uh, and they 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 are genuinely, truly um, the the finest um, collaborators that, that I, I, I I could I could mention. Um, uh, there's been some great other ones as well, but they they always spring to mind, just because. It it I guess it's just essentially it's perfect because mm. they hire people that they trust and then they carry on trusting them, but they know just how much input to give as well. Um, and you know when it's time to sit back and be directed um, when there's something that they're 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 you know not happy with, they find a way to say it, but it's never undermining. It would never be you know said. In a in a within the arena where it was going to cause any kind of of uh, of upset, um, so a truly harmonious environment within which to work. I again I can mention a couple of instances where it was less harmonious, but that's usually just because time is against us, and you know uh, we you know we made the uh, series called Psychoville mm. um, some years ago, and and the the. the the aspirations of that show were were, were, were huge. Um, essentially, it was a it was a, dr- a drama series, you know, with drama with comedy, um, all on location, single camera, and yet we had a sitcom budget, a studio right. sitcom budget, and so we stretched it to its absolute limits. And but within that, uh, the 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 what got us through it was the the collaboration. That's great. You know, it's thrilling to hear that about. Reese and Steve, because as a as an actor and a writer, but also just a um, a student of creativity, that inside number nine particularly does look like it's just a perfect example of of that thing. Really, I guess it's because it's an anthology show in that each each episode's a different cast, different setup, or whatever. Yeah. But it just appears that that it's sort of in the same way that I feel about Monty Python or I don't know some of the great bands or whatever. It's just got very talented people collaborating, and it's just. I know it's not always like that, so it's great to hear that it is how I imagine it to be in the room. It's fantastic, um, and I believe you directed one of the episodes that spoke to me a lot, which was "Hurry Up and Wait," because obviously it's that thing about the the actor on set waiting for yeah. their one or two lines, which then the big TV guy is going to steal off them anyway, and you see the back of it, and all that's just very funny. Was that a lot of fun to actually work in that kind of? Almost like a busman's holiday, maybe because it was like the back scene production of the TV show. Yes, I mean obviously it's something we all it resonated with all of us. We all understood it. You know, it, it, from my perspective, it's not something that I've had direct experience of because mm-hmm. I'm on the you know sort of the other side of it. But um, from anecdotal evidence, you know, you just you know it happens, and and um, it it was it was delightful. Uh, you know, again. Um, just because they're they are so brilliant at, at writing in the first place, the, the kind of detail of observation, and then coupled with what they bring to it as performers, that detail you get compound interest on it because yeah. they'll bring something more more to that on top yeah. of what's written, always. And and we would always look for in our um, uh, supporting cast actors who are going to do the same, and they're encouraged to do the same. Yeah, I was um, going to ask about 100%. that. One hundred percent. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, um, a continuation, I guess, of that, that, you know, collaboration that, that, but that carries on making it, yeah, without doubt, loads and loads of fun. It's a, it's a, it's a joy and a pleasure. Um, and, and within that, I guess it's worth just adding that the scenario you don't want is where kind of everyone's just falling about laughing, uh, you know, on set that, that isn't particularly helpful. Um, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody, but, but particularly doesn't help the actors is if, if anyone starts started thinking that they're funny, it, it, it absolutely gets in the way and it, it can ramp up performances and, 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 you know, cause things to come off out of kilter. Oh. Um, 
And, and and so you know you hear people um, as you say talking about the production that oh we we laughed ourselves That's silly during time. the production and it turned out to be not that great. I'm not saying that's the only reason that that, that would happen, but from my perspective on 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 set, it's something I've 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 learned um, to be you know careful about mm. uh, because I mean it is it's hysterically funny, but it's also a business. It's all, it's also I'd say a business. You know it's a it's a process and it needs to be respected and it needs to be taken. You know, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sorry for this um, podcast. I'm using inverted commas. They could hear it. I think it came across <laughs> on the, the tone of voice. Well, the interesting then, working with actors and in comedy, then particularly, is there something that the great comedy actors have have in common in the way they approach their performances, or are they all different? So talking about Reese um, and Steve, but then also Steve Coogan. Is do they approach things differently? Have they each got a different energy, or is there a, a commonality? It's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, but I'm inclined to immediately say no, mm-hmm. um, but I have not stopped to analyse it sure. in that way. Um, they are all very different, but is there a common thread? Is, is what you're asking, and, and the, the short answer is I'm not sure. I suppose for me. W- and obviously we have to define what's great. Um, for, for, for me, it is actually the attention to detail. That That is where I think great comedy is. I think it's easy to be broadly funny. Uh, oh, no, it's not. It's easier to be broadly funny. Um, but it's the attention to detail. And, and, you know, when I say broadly, don't get me wrong, as I think, um, you know, Benny Hill was, was extremely clever comedian. And I think he had that attention to detail. I mean, he really, really did. Well, I mean, accounts um, bear that out. Um, so it's not, I'm not being pejorative of that at all. But for, for me, it's attention to detail with, I, I guess, from, uh, if I'm, you know, being uh, really, really choosy about what, what I work on, it's it's the darker side that I'm drawn towards, which, you know, in both instances, Coogan and um, Stephen Reese. Um are drawn towards themselves but yeah it's 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 that attention to detail but in terms of process really remarkably different the way that um steve would approach the process it's it's incredibly loose um when seen from the outside in that he will he will come into a a scene and this will probably probably have been written rewritten overnight um it's another thing that that singles him out. He does like to, he likes to constantly uh, right. change, um, uh, tweak, work on, and and that carries on on set. And that that is disarming when you come to it for the first time. Uh, but he will he'll get to something that's been bumping for him, something maybe he's been working on the night before, and he'll get to it and he'll 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 sort of loop it, and he'll just keep trying out oh. different. Thoughts, different ideas, bum 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 bada bum bada bum. So, so it, it literally loops around itself and, uh, until he's satisfied, and then the scene carries on. Now, that is, it's very, very. The actors have to really be on their toes because they don't know necessarily when he's, he's carry on. He's ready to <laughs> carry on, you know. And it, and it might be that the, that the end of that line was the cue for the next actor to jump in. So. You know, it can be a little bit nerve-wracking. But but the, when you get into it, there's a kind of a freedom and a free flow with that, that that's very exciting. Um, but, but, you know, uh, I, I, so one, once you get to know that's, that's the way that it's going to be, you can forewarn the actors and mm. say, look, you know, this is probably going to happen, so be ready, you know. But when I first started working with him, I didn't, I didn't know that was his MO. So I was as... Surprised by by it as he, the other actors were. Is he broken? What's <laughs> him up again? Why yes. Not? Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's 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 quite bizarre. But but then again, you know, equally with that, as you can imagine, you know, he's 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 up for trying new things out and 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 working on them. But again, it's with a real precision. He's he's doing that in order to hit the perfect the thing that just clicks and works. Um, and and if 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 it's not happening, then then he would, you know, come to me, 
and if there's a, you know another writer on, on set, uh, and we would discuss it. And he, mm. again, very actually very collaborative, um, and and very happy to take direction, mm. um, which again marks out Stephen Reese one hundred percent. And I would say, again, you know, for me the best ones are um, in my experience. Now there'll be there'll be plenty of of, of um, comedy performers out there who, who who are not great at taking direction um <clears throat> but i i haven't uh had much experience of them mm. and then with that thing say with, with steve then does does he always get to the as close to perfect as he wants or the time pressures that you mentioned with sitcom and stuff are there occasions when it's like that's not quite how we want it to be or you know perhaps we could have done more but we simply haven't got the time rare um i i i would say there will have been ex- uh, some examples of that but none that really stick out um no i think we just we just always make time for mm-hmm. that and if we've dropped time there then we make up Find time elsewhere. elsewhere and he's he's perfectly pragmatic as far as that goes he you know will understand um so no uh, not really an issue okay Great. Uh, Matt, would it be possible then for you just to give a bit of an outline of, of the start of your career and how you kind of got to the point where you were working with these people? And yes. What was your road into directing in the first place? I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep this as brief as possible, but, it, it, yeah, it it started... Um, I, I am the, um, the the classic kind of filmmaker geek that nicked my dad's Super 8 Fantastic. camera um, and was making short films... Um, as a kid, 12, I think I started. Um, I then um, went down the route of uh, art, art college, mm-hmm. um, thinking that I was going to be a fine artist. I wanted to, I wanted to be a sculptor. Um, I did a... Uh, but then again, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, then I, I, um, I was doing a foundation course um, and... On the foundation course, there was a there was a film club which I joined, and it, it was at that point that, that something kind of went click, and and I realised that this was something I could actually study. I could I could do as a career, and it, mm. for what I no really I genuinely don't know why I hadn't thought of it up to that point, um, but I hadn't, and and so I I dropped out um, and applied for. Uh, film course which was uh, the London College of Printing as it was back then it's now the London College of Communications um, did a three-year course there uh, took two years off to, to to follow my other passion which is music playing with bands and oh, touring right. uh, and then did a postgraduate course at the Royal College of Art uh, so uh, I came out um, having I mean that that so that whole college process uni process was uh with the two years off was eight years so i was 27 by the time i came out um which is you know relatively old to be starting um career and uh yeah it it was a film course so i came out being a a complete film snob and you know television was was a lowly Hmm. second cousin Uh, i you know none of us wanted to do but equally I, i i had this bizarre notion that the world owed me a feature film. You know, I would just literally walk out and, and there it would be. But, you know, I had made no connections. I hadn't written anything. It was, it was just no way that was going to happen. It was, it was utterly um, um, ignorant of me, you know. Um, and uh, so that, that what, what followed really was through music, I got into pop promos. And I did that for a couple of years, and that was a that was fun, really good fun. But it was a cul-de-sac, didn't get me anywhere. And then uh, I got, I was trying to get into documentaries uh, for a while because I did a few kind of music-based, um, not documentaries, but EPKs, things like yeah, that. Yeah, um, And I thought that might lead into into documentaries. And I did get a gig um, for a German record company to. Um, accompany a compilation of uh what was kind of early acid jazz tracks called london underground and it was a documentary about the underground music and art scene in london and that again was great fun to make but a friend of mine who i'd been working with at um 
in in music television um came to see a screening of it and he said uh he said i hope you don't mind but i thought that was incredibly funny and i, and I went yeah i suppose i suppose it was because a lot of these guys were taking themselves very very seriously yeah and uh and it was quite funny and he said look i think there's something in this he said what what about we try and pitch a, a, a modern version of the monkeys but we set it in what was then the rave scene <laughs> I thought, oh, that's that's brilliant it was, it was this is a great idea um so we we uh found a production company that was interested um and a, and a brilliant woman, Gillian Gordon, who who helped us uh, kind of put the package together. We got a tiny amount of money to do a teaser for it, not even a, a pilot. But we had to cast it. And the casting, um, in the casting, we we met um, uh, we met um, Ben Miller, um, who was working with his partner Alexander Armstrong they were doing um the comedy circuit uh doing their uh, sketches um around the country blah 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 and he said he said I'd, I hope you don't mind my saying but I'd love you to meet my partner I think you know you'd, you'd get on with him so we we didn't know uh, Alexander um but we got him in and we ended up casting them both right in amongst Neil Morrissey was was uh was in it um Du Gray Scott was playing the lead singer um so it was it, you know it was it was quite a cast um uh but um didn't go anywhere but the boys um ben and zander saw the the thing that i put together and said look we're doing sketches we're trying to you know maybe get a sketch comedy show we love what you did with that would you be interested in i said of course i would i'd love to again we get a tiny amount of money and we do a little teaser for for what would become their sketch show out of the back of my car we're just bombing around, blagging our way into this, this here, there, and everywhere, um, and uh, and we put this thing together, and we we got money from Paramount as a co-production with uh, Channel Four to do the first series, and, and this was the Channel Four series before the BBC series, yeah. um, and uh, that was it. I was I was in comedy, uh, and I literally never looked back. That's brilliant. I love to hear stories like that because sort of those of us earlier points in our career and we, we keep making our little projects and come up with stuff and it doesn't quite lead in or whatever. But you, you sort of have this feeling, so many people I've spoken to for this, say you've got to be making your own stuff because if you're just sitting around for, as you mentioned, your feature film that the world's going to give you, if you're just sitting around for a casting or if you're an actor or, or you know a project to write, it ain't going to happen really. And it's, there's a thing I heard on a Rob Brydon thing recently which says don't tell people what you can do, show them. And like, you know, and I, I guess in some ways you could argue that it is easier for people to make their own little shorts and films and stuff now than it was even ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. But would you encourage yeah, in that, that sense? In that right. sense, there's no, there, there is no excuse. You know, there, there's, there really is no excuse because you can do it on your phone, and yeah. everybody's got a phone. You know, so um, you should be making stuff. Stuff. Um, you, 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 you just, you, you kind of have to be now. You know, so many careers are are, are are being made. You know, through short films that are, you know, being posted on the inter internet, and then people are being discovered that way more and more. Um, so it's a, it, uh, you know, I can't even say it's the future. It's happening now. It, it is yeah. the now of it. And so, yeah. And interesting as well. Then that it sounds like you didn't have a a career plan as such, or the career plan that you have is not the one that went. Things just kind of happened and. and do you think that's quite a common thing for people in the in this industry? Yeah, I do. I do. If you you canvas um, backgrounds, you find that you know people who have gone to do college or uni have done it in something entirely differently. That's not so much the case now. Actually, I'd say in the last ten years, be, uh, the next generation have been concentrating on media studies courses but that's essentially because there are media studies courses there are loads more film courses now because it's become so popular but back in the day it wasn't uh, so popular so people found themselves falling into the industry um, with, with, with all sorts of various different backgrounds um, and yeah I, I think again back in the day it probably was easier to meander a bit in the mm. way that I did you know and and Kind of seek it out, um, 
but I make no bones about it either. I, you know, I was able to 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 take my time over it and have you know what I would call the wilderness years. You know, four years post um, when I finished doing promos and I was trying to get something else going. Four years of doing basically nothing with no money, and I was able to do that because I had a roof over my head. You know, that was that was a you know a, a, a um, a place that I was paying minimal rent on, um, and that was very much thanks to my parents, I to say. And that again, that's a privilege. I am, you know, a, a prime example of, of white privilege. Uh, um, I, I had that, and and so you know, for me now, the 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 really really key thing is is to make sure that people who don't have that privilege, people who don't have the choices that I spoke of before, can somehow find a way in to our industry because that's what we need we need to be and i use this word in its most global sense we need to be way way more diverse hmm. and those wilderness years are interesting i feel very much that i'm in my wilderness years and have been for 30 odd years but whatever it is but you know it's kind of like when you're in them i don't know for me it feels like that is my life is the wilderness years is it ever going to be not this and then i don't know if there's a dell boy thing in that actually as soon as you're not there anymore do you miss the chase and the hustle a little bit did you know when you were in the wilderness years and when you weren't in them or do you still feel like you are but in a different way because you say you're still still out in the world pitching for stuff and you know each project is its own thing isn't it i guess yeah it feels less like a wilderness when you start to actually get to know people you sort of feel like you're you are connected you know it's like being going to an event and realizing you actually know some of these people and you've worked with some of these people that that makes you feel a little bit more part of it but i think i think i'll always feel like a bit of an outsider just because i don't know it's the thing that allows me to come home after a day's work and close the front door and just not think about work i i i shut myself off from it because I don't want it to be my life. I want it to be my work. Um, and, and obviously, obviously, I, I mean, not naive enough to not realise, it, clearly it defines me to an extent, but I don't want it to be the only definition of me. You know, I want I want that definition to be, I mean, almost more importantly, my, my wife and my kids and, you know, and and the the, the life I have around it and, and how I behave with other people and interact with other people and, you know, so they're, they're 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 two quite separate things, and I've I've been fairly conscious to, cr- to create that. It does cross over sometimes, and I've met some you know actors who've come on gone on to be friends, mm. people in the in the um, on the other side of the camera as well, and 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 they're good friends, close friends. But it, it, it's still a distinction, a general distinction that I like to make. So. I've slightly strayed from your point, but yeah, in terms of kind of recognizing, you know, arriving or, 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 you know, the distinction between that and the wilderness years, I definitely recognize the wilderness years from the point of view of just the frustration, mm-hmm. um, recognizing that, uh, you know, I was stuck, but even then I was, I, we, I found ways to, to, to get out we, we managed to again raise a small amount of money to go to Cambodia and, and make a documentary about the, um, the 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 country kind of finding its feet again after the Khmer Rouge had, had kind of backed away um, and you know that that was an extraordinary uh, project an amazing time but that was born out of the frustration of you know being stuck um, and just going we've got to do something and um, yeah, we probably could have made it a little bit easier for ourselves. Made a documentary about bin men or something, you know. But <laughs> to, 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 but anyway, it's a it's a long story. But but it was um, you know that that was trying to make something out of nothing, you know. Um, which I'm, I'm sure you know. By the sounds of it, you'll you'll understand. Yeah, but then also it sounds like there's a bit of a. Um a commonality with the current situation that you mentioned right at the start of the conversation where things are a bit quieter so you're looking at writing projects which maybe you mm. wouldn't have done so i don't know do we sometimes need those quieter slightly scary periods maybe financially but actually it spurs us on to do those other projects that are just as important 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, exactly. You have to look at that as a gift, um, hmm. yeah, or try to as best as you can. You know, um, I, I'm, I'm afraid I do sort of constantly worry about about um, paying the mortgage, um, um, even still. Uh, so. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to you out there. It doesn't seem to matter how much money you make, you find a way of spending it all. Well, not being um, funny, but that is a very interesting thing to hear. As you know, someone from the outside, all of the, whenever I talk to people who are doing the kind of things that I would like to be doing, it's always interesting to hear those sorts of things. And like when you mentioned about the um, going up for jobs against other directors, it suddenly thought well, it's just like being an actor, isn't it? And that classic thing mm-hmm. of being in the audition room and seeing five other guys who look the same as you, thinking, "Oh, mm-hmm. I know, I know, he's really good, <laughs> and they've done this before, so they're going to get it." And you, I think, it's easy as an actor anyway, or a writer trying to break in to envisage it's not like that for the people who are part of the production crew or whatever. And of course, it is. We're all freelancers, aren't we? With a yeah, uh, a body yeah. of work. Completely, and all uh, everyone is terrified of where the next job's coming from. And each time the next job ends, you think maybe this is the last, you know. And for me, it's become a case of, you know, or maybe now I'm just getting a little bit too old. You know, they're going to go for the youth of it. And also recognising that, like I just said before, you know, in terms of diversity, you know, we're trying to redress balances that have needed to be redressed since it began. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and in doing so, you know, old white guy, you know, I've got a lot of X's in the boxes, um, which which I entirely recognise and accept. But equally with that comes the fear of, oh, okay, you know, maybe maybe it does start to dry up, and and I and I have to kind of give way to to um, to the changes that are coming. So, yeah, in some ways, though, the fears never really go away. And not, honestly, from my point of view, anyway, neither does the terror of the actual job. You know, the 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 beginning of it i guess it's no longer terror but i still get that nagging gnawing doubt and especially if it's been a long gap you know um between directing if the post has taken a particularly long time and i haven't actually been on set for a long time or like Mm. now when i've been out of work for a few months (coughs) coming back to it there is still that nagging doubt can i still do it you know well i remember well you know it seems it seems bonkers you know after you know 35 years of doing it but it's true it's genuinely true it still happens and still get the fear but then that i guess is positive because it shows that it's important to you still like i sort of say to people who are who are nervous about performance or whatever it's because it's important to you and if you weren't if you didn't care you wouldn't get nervous about it and if you're suddenly in the position where you weren't caring then you're not probably going to do very good stuff i suppose well, you've hit the nail on the head there, basically. I've said that the, the day that I stop feeling the fear, I think, is the day that I need to leave because I've, <coughs> I believe that means I've stopped... Excuse me. I believe that means I've stopped caring. I'm not sure it necessarily exactly equates to that, but it, it feels that feels like a pretty good yeah. equation to me that, um, you know, that fear, as you say, is coming from a place of, of um, just wanting it to be great, wanting to do your best, wanting everything to to unfold the way it should and uh if it if you get to the point where you're just complacent about it then i think you've you've lost the lust um, yeah that makes sense um influences sort of comedy directing what would be some of the things that you would point to that you feel have have uh been something that have led the way in the work that you've done whether it's contemporary or, or back in your uh upbringing or whatever well i like this question i because it, it took me a, a while to realize it but i i i uh i did a, a radio talk about 10 years ago um did i say radio talk sorry i meant a college talk um to to some students uh and and it, it it forced me to um dig into that question that I hadn't really thought about before mm. what got me into comedy why comedy um and when i did you know um the the deep dive i realized that it was actually uh cartoons that started oh. it and and digging deeper specifically tex avery who was 
you know, in my personal opinion, the the the, the greatest, the, the absolutely genius director of comedy, um, and uh, bizarrely, it was it was uh, so uh, basically when we uh, had our um, dental visits. My mum would take us to the dentist, and as a treat, we go down to um, uh, where's where's uh, Eros? My brain's gone. Um, Piccadilly Circus, and there was a flea pit cinema there okay. that I suspect showed adult films um, late at night. But in the day, it would have a a rolling um, program of newsreel, Pathé newsreel, and cartoons. She would take us down there, and we'd sit, and we'd we love the newsreels as well. But but the cartoons were the thing, absolutely right. brilliant. Um, and they were sitting in a in a cinema, in a in a stinky old flea pit cinema, watching these cartoons. And I'd know it now for sure. It, all, it was one of those kind of blinding revelations. And I was, yeah, that's where it all started. It it was it was just genius cartoon directors, of which there are many, um, and and. and from there, well, I mean, it's so so many. Um, my mum loved Buster Keaton um, of of all of the comedians, and I and I have to say, I, I may, maybe because of her, but I, I share that. Um, not to take anything away from from the others, um, and then on through, you know, back back in the day, uh, I suppose I I my my era as a kid of of the the first. Big comedy movies would have been Woody Allen, mm-hmm. uh, Mel Brooks, um, and such like. And, and I guess, uh, you know, I prob- probably, yeah, probably safe to say I, I, I struggle watching Woody Allen films now, which is a shame, just because of the, the freak that he seems to have turned out to be. Mm. Um, that's a whole whole nother conversation, but yeah. but yeah, that that's that's the roots of it. Great, okay, man, that's been absolutely fantastic. All uh, fascinating, thank you. That's really interesting. Um, a final question then: What's an ambition for something that you would like to? I mean, you mentioned your your writing thing that you're kind of looking at at the moment. But if there was an ambition for something you'd want to direct or write or create or or just put out into the world, is there one thing you could point to? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, that's a, another great question. I I don't have a definitive answer for that, but uh, you know, if I was to say to you, if I had made Six Feet Under, I think I could have died happy. Pro- probably one of my most most favourite television shows ever. Extraordinary. I guess it's finding something like that that you know because that, from my background of the kind of darker comedy, it it, it, it you know ticks those boxes. But you know what, a show that's so <clears throat> so fully and completely about life, set in the world of death, it's just right there, it's just genius. You go that that's the simplest pitch you could give for it. <clears throat> so, but having done something as life affirming as Lasso, you know that that ticked a lot of boxes for me. But I guess, truly, it would be being p- more part of the creation of that. So I, I understand, I fully understand how uh, how important my role is as a director. I'm not sure everybody does, but I do, and that's that's enough for me. Um, but I also understand that you know I have not created it. I'm part of the creation, yeah. the process, and I've been, you know an important part of that. But I guess, therefore, it would be to be part of the writing team of something that I would then go on to direct. So I'm seeing it through completely. Um, That would be probably the only outstanding ambition. Beyond that, it's paying off the mortgage. (laughs) That would be bloody marvellous. So if we could link those two projects together somehow, that would be the one. Well, that's golden, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we'll put our heads Golden. together, see what we can do. <laughs> uh, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. I find that really interesting. They they really fill me up these conversations, hearing someone who's doing the thing, but having that attitude that I know is the one that 
leads to that way, but you just need reminding sometimes, I think, if that makes any sense. It does. No, absolutely. Um, no, I, seriously, I, I, I think these these reminders come in all sorts of different forms. And again, you know, it's part, part of part of life process for me is trying to keep my ears open so I can hear when it happens. I can hear those moments, you know, and that's, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, you know, I think the, the, the secret answer to life, the universe and everything is just being present, being mm. in the moment. You know, you you will hear what's being said to you if you're there in the moment. And there's so many distractions. And now, now more than ever, it's all about distraction. Just, yes. the, you know, what do they call it? You know, the the white noise of life. Um, trying to, trying to, you know, keep keep open to the possibilities, keep open to just generally what's happening around you. Yeah, certainly with creativity, you know, there's a, a, a John Cleese thing I heard him talk about recently. It's like being open to, you could call it the muse or whatever it is, but it, it tends not to come through the laptop or, or Facebook or whatever it yeah. is. And, it's, and we just habitually were so used to just being distracted by those things, aren't we? And we're just giving yeah. our heads so much to think about at the same yeah. time. Like, you know, yeah. a bit of quiet time is the ideal thing, really. But hey-ho. No, well, exactly that, exactly that. Trying to find, find, um, find, find those 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 uh, those moments within a, a a life that's just you know feels like it's you know moving at a hundred miles an hour all the time. And 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 it, with that, you know, there's a sort of a sense now that you're moving at a hundred miles an hour, and 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 the 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 nuts are coming off the the the, the, the wheels you know and that it's all coming a bit loose and you know there's with with that it's easy to to retreat into a kind of place of fear and and uh, and again that's not great for creativity all right thank you Matt thanks so much for taking the time to chat to me absolute pleasure thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed that join us next time on the Robert Lane Creative Careers podcast. Until then, please subscribe, rate and review and have a look at robertlanemusic.co.uk to see the other projects I'm working on. Thank you. Goodbye.